Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. So you meet someone who flat out doesn't believe in God. No heaven, no hell, no holy Bible, no Savior dying on a cross. What do you say? How do you act? Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to tell us about a friendship between a true believer and a true non-believer. Lincoln, that doesn't sound like the ingredients for a lasting friendship. No. By the way, I know some of your history now, and I can feel it. There was the John Lennon song echoing through your introduction. Yes, there was. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about this because uh, for, for a few years, I've been enamored in the intellectual sense with the articles, the thoughts, and the debates of Christopher Hitchens, mm. who died in 2011. He was only 62. I can say that as someone a little older than that, so that seems young. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> he was only 62, but he did die very suddenly of esophageal cancer mm. and uh, continued his debates and his public appearances within a few days of his death. But uh, he was an interesting character, and I have an article coming up in Liberty Magazine based on a book review written by Larry Taunton, founder and director of Fixed Point Foundation, an evangelical Christian, mm -hmm. a man who had some dealings with Christopher Hitchens in those last few months when he was still lecturing, obviously dying of cancer, and many evangelical Christians in particular were praying publicly that, that he would see the light mm -hmm. and certainly hoping that he would be healed. But many were praying that he would be uh, damned forever and that he would die quickly because he deserved it and so on. It brought out the best and the worst yes. in Christians. Yes. And they were all presuming that there would be a deathbed confession, which there never was, or a deathbed conversion. Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting story, as Larry puts it out in his book, how traveling together with Christopher, even on long road trips because he was getting weak and couldn't easily fly and long, long road trips where they talked about religious things. And on one occasion, when he shared some of the words of Jesus about being the life and the resurrection, and the book of John that has probably the most spiritual presentation of Jesus' life and ministry of any gospel, at one point Christopher Hitchens said, something for a dying man to hear, he said. Mm. Something for a dying man. You know, he admitted the, the appeal of it. Yes. You know, we look at this kind of situation and we say, what can we do to help these people? And we have to realize something, and it was probably brought out in this book too, because I haven't read the book, I need to get a copy of that, is that we're not working in solo here. We are working with another entity that is helping us in the words we say and the witness we give. The Holy Spirit is involved as well, am I right? Well, of course. Yeah. And we don't know someone's heart, and I don't particularly think there's evidence to think that he went silently converted into the dark. But it's not impossible. Many people that we think just faded away and never made a commitment may have been uh, pulled by the Spirit into some sort of uh, harmony with God's will. But that's not the point of this book. When I first read it, I thought this is going to be one of these false claims to sort of have co-opted someone at the last. But he doesn't really make that claim. He just shows the dialogue with a hardened atheist there in the last few days and how they had a very real friendship. Because on one occasion... When they were traveling, there were a group of atheists who uh, 
when the author appeared, Christopher was talking to them, and they started mocking him. Mm. And Christopher told them off very quickly in, in uh, salty language, and he says, he's a friend of mine, don't you dare criticize mm. him. So uh, he wasn't reflexly just again Christians. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what I, in some ways, appreciated most about Christopher Hitchens. I got to know his writings when he was not writing on religion, but I used to read his material when he was writing on political matters. And uh, he wrote, for example, uh, two very long and, and deep articles, well-researched, they were just pejorative rants, on Henry Kissinger, analyzing his role and that regime when he was with Nixon and, and later got up to in Latin America. Very interesting articles, well-received. And so I kept reading his stuff. And then after 9-11, he went into high gear against religion. And what affronted him so much was the fact that here, a religious sensibility, radical Islam, was behind this unthinkable attack. And as the war on terror deepened, he just became monomaniacal against religion. In particular, of course, he didn't like Islam, but he didn't really discriminate. (laughs) He saw all religion as nefarious. And he wrote a book called Why Religion Poisons Everything. I mean, to a point, he's absolutely right. You and I have talked about how Christians in the past have also acted very, very unchristian-like. Yeah, I can say that. But, you know, he didn't make the distinction that I try to make in Liberty Magazine. And, and I tried to enumerate it once at a Religious Liberty Conference. I got up and I said that there is way too much religion in the world today. Mm-hmm. Way too much religion. Mm-hmm. But not enough spirituality. Yes. Yes. And any religion, you know, especially a main religion where there's millions of adherents, when you remove its spiritual charter, it can become a nefarious force That's because right. then you've got the inside club group and the outsiders and you've cast the enemy as absolute evil and it can go not just violent, it can become genocidal very quickly. Yes. As I hear you say that, I'm thinking back on the Old Testament, and I think that's what God was desperately trying to reinsert back into the children of Israel, his chosen people. The spirituality of it all. I mean, he built a temple in an attempt to do that because they were religious, but they weren't spiritual. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the Old Testament is the thing of, of, of great tomes to analyze it. You know, we can't do it within this part of the 15 minutes. But, you know, the Old Testament, we need to separate there, first of all, the times that it was in. It was a harsher time, as you say, when people were on survival mode. They really didn't think of the kind of parts of their nature very much, and and God was moving them toward that. Then in the theocracy, he was ruling directly, and some of the ways of God are difficult for humans to know. As even the New Testament says, when God destroys evil, which we all want, Yes. Satan and, and his evil minions, they're destroyed in a lake of fire, and it says that's God's strange act. But I don't believe you and I are called to do strange things like that. Mm-hmm. We're called to deeds of love and mercy. 
And that's the, uh, the, the true spiritual side of religion. Well, I want to give equal time here to another take on what you just said. I kind of believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I kind of believe that what God will do at the end of time is allow evil to destroy itself. Would I be way offline if I said that? Depends what you mean by the end of time. I'm quite sure in this great battle between good and evil, Yes. clearly a big point of it is to let evil fully reveal itself so yes. it will, as the Bible says, rise no more. Rise no more, uh, absolutely. absolutely. But at the very end, when it's all over, all revealed, and Satan and his company acknowledge that God is righteous and just, and it says that, then finally evil has to be wiped away so that there can be a clean beginning, and that is God's strange act. And I agree with that. It's sort of like, I hate to bring in some popular culture in here, but it's sort of like Mary Tyler Moore at the very last scene of the very last Mary Tyler Moore show. As the group of them leave the studio, leave the office, she stops at the door, turns, and flips off the light. I think that's what God's strange act is going to be. He's going to flip the switch, and it's going to be gone forever, and I praise God for that. Good thought, yeah. Yeah. Otello, he says, turn out the light. Turn out the light, yeah. That was before electricity, but Shakespeare (laughs) had it right. Unfortunately, uh, Otello wasn't doing the right thing by murdering his wife. But you're right. It's a surgical act, and God has to do it. Yeah, But uh, no, this this book, and I could recommend it to, uh, to any of our listeners. It's called The Faith of Christopher Hitchens, The Restless Soul of the World's Most Notorious Atheist. Mm. And it's told from a Christian perspective by this Christian friend. And, uh, you know, they should know about Christopher Hitchens. He was not a a mean intellect. He was one of the the greatest public intellects of the last uh, several decades. There's no question. In debates with a wide variety of religionists and others of different political persuasions, he invariably would destroy them. The only ones that I saw him, and I've said it on this program before, that stood up to Christopher Hitchens were uh, Tony Blair and the Reverend Al Sharpton, two odd fellows. (laughs) (laughs) Strange. (laughs) They survived because they appealed to the spirituality, what religion meant to them, what God had done in their hearts. And there's Mm. no answer to that. It's your testimony. Oh, I like that, because in the beginning I say, how do you act? What do you say? And the answer, you just gave the answer to that. What you say and how you act is what is inside your heart, what God has done for you. Your witness is the counter to an atheist's claim. Yes. Now, Christopher Hitchens wasn't alone. There's the supposed new atheists. There's Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and Daniel Dennett and a few others. They've become trendy, and and Richard Dawkins also, a very educated man. So they're playing on the the knowledge that that society and and progress has given to us. But cynicism is a fact of modern life, but I don't think we should encourage it. And it's a bit sad that these very powerful intellects have used their intellect to advance cynicism. Although both Richard Dawkins used to say that he is powerfully attracted to the trappings of Christianity, Mm -hmm. loves good church music, And Christopher Hitchens, at one point, right near his death, he said, well, he doesn't believe in a God, because he said he wasn't given the evidence. Well, the Bible says that God has provided something that anyone can inherently know that God exists. But Christopher Hitchens did say that at the end, he'd come to believe that this earth is pretty much a holding place for uh, intergalactic criminals, (laughs) which is very close to what the Bible says. Sort of a biblical Australia we have happening here. Okay. Yes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but no, the, in reality, that's exactly what this world is. It fell to the uh, 
to the deceptions of Satan and has become a damaged environment. Yes, yes. And God's in the process of fixing it. And, and then we do believe is confined to this planet. But that's going to be past tense one day. Mm-hmm. Well, Lincoln, you have opened our eyes here to not only the fact that atheists exist, but you've also shared with us what we can do as Christians to try to bridge that gap. And tell us the name of that book one more time. Share that with us. The name of it is The Faith of Christopher Hitchens. Mm. Okay, very good. It just came out this year. It's, only, it's a very new book. All right. Thank you very much www.libertymagazine.org is the website if you'd like to listen to these programs again and also share them with others. Also read the articles that are in Liberty Magazine. And, of course, if you want to subscribe, it's all right there at libertymagazine.org. Lincoln, thank you so much for being here. Always a pleasure. And, listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. (music) 